Holly Cotton here, and you guys know I am all about the women empowerment. And when I meet women, wherever they are, I want to hear their story. I want to hear, especially whenever they are in a male-dominated field or they are a minority <laughs> in whatever it is that they're doing, whatever the genre is, I want to know how that woman found that to be her passion, how she's paving the way for other women as well. So I am so excited to introduce Miss Terry Thomas today. And if you guys are not from Houston, let me let you know, Terry is like a staple of Houston. Okay. Let me just give you her bio. And I asked for the short bio and it's still 13 pages long. So I'm just <laughs> going to give you a little bit of the insight into Terry. So Terry has over 25 years of experience in the radio industry. She has been an operations manager, program director. If you guys, like I said, if you know anything about Houston, you know about Radio One. Um, she also has national recognition. She knows everyone who's everyone. She's had uh, multiple awards. And then she is also an entrepreneur. She helps brands. She helps the culture. Like this is why everyone sees her as an asset and they want to network with her. So I'm going to get all of the intel on all of those things, you guys. So welcome, Terry. I am so honored to be here. Thank you for the invitation, Holly. Yes, of course, of course. So let's just start off, okay? Because you guys, you maybe don't know this, but Terry is not minority. Terry is <laughs> white. <laughs> so yes, I am so, a proud Italian American. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so yes. I love that also, Terry, because not only are you a woman that is doing this in kind of like this male-dominated genre, but you're also in here as as a white woman, and you're like, hey, I, look, I, I'm cool. I have all the lingo. I have the business. I have this. So I want to know growing up, because I too, I, half of my family is white. So mm -hmm. I, I know that there is this, this sort of differentiation of the way that one side is raised to the yeah. other. And my, my family is very much like, super hip hop. And I always, it's funny. Cause I'm always like, when I think of like someone white, I never think of my family, even though they are white because they're mm -hmm. always they're They're always have embraced any type of hip hop, you know, culture, like everything is out there. Black lives matter. Like they just always mm -hmm. were just the opposite of what you hear whenever you think about that. So I want to know what was your upbringing like and how did you find out that you wanted to be in this world? You know, I, I would just tell you, you, you know, follow the path and it takes you where you're supposed to go. So for me, I can't say that my family was hip hop. They're not hip hop at all. <laughs> you know, my musical background really is across all genres. So country, rock, pop music, uh, you know, the, the Rat Pack, you could take it back to like the old lounge crooners like Frank Sinatra. It really runs the gamut. So, um, you know, my father had a record collection. I would listen to his, his music. Uh, I had a radio. So when I was growing up, you know, Kiss 108 was the big radio station in Boston. And, you know, they, they were sort of, you know, considered top 40 sort of dance leaning at times, you know, just, uh, 
contemporary hit radio, which means they play all the hits of the day. And so I grew up listening to that. And then later on discovered a small AM daytime station called WILD, which was really the urban station. But my family wasn't necessarily. Um, I went to a, a public high school that, um, you know, wasn't necessarily very, you know, mixed with a different, a lot of different cultures there really just wasn't. Um, so what led me to the genre is actually the music. And so I just loved music and I loved to dance, <laughs> really just loved to dance, loved music, loved all music. And so when I went to college, I was at Emerson College and I auditioned for the college station and the show I ended up was the show that played sort of the music that had dance and it had some hip, it had hip hop and all that. It was the urban show. It was called 88, nine at night. And I was able to make it on as a freshman and um, gratefully it's really competitive and was very difficult to get on. And so, you know, the music led me to the culture. Now I will say this and I'll say this to anybody. I understand, you know, um, being a, a white female, you know, and you're working in urban culture, there's a responsibility there and you have to do your homework and you have to learn and you have to be humble enough to ask questions and not speak up if you don't know. And so I always have taken it very seriously to study and be a student of the culture so that I could represent it fairly because it was a tremendous responsibility for me to be able to be behind the microphone, to have all of that access and influence. And if I didn't have my ducks in a row, then I wasn't going to do the culture any service. And it's radio, truthfully, people think it's about them and it's, oh, me, I'm a radio DJ. It's really a service-based business. You're there to serve the community. You serve your clients, your community, and your teammates. It's a service-first business. You know, and, the, and I always say, if you make the people the star, they make you the star, and that's how you get famous. So I always took it very seriously to be a student of the culture. And I'm grateful by my first boss in commercial radio a guy by the name of Philip David March. You know, he's the guy that rolled the dice and took a chance on me, brought me down to Columbus, Georgia, where they kept me a secret for three months. They wouldn't let me go in public because they weren't sure how the audience would receive me. But it was through his tutelage and you know he was just an incredible mentor and I understood the assignment in terms of embracing studying and respecting the culture and he also encouraged that held me to the standard of that and make sure made sure that I got the foundation so I would say it was God's plan <laughs> and it was my responsibility because it was his plan to do the work to earn the right to be in the community well, first, I also want to say that my dad's a girlfriend. Uh, I, I hate that they're, my dad is 70 something. And I hate that I have to say this is his girlfriend for 10, 10 years, but oh my goodness. she's actually, a, she's actually Italian and she, and they live in Boston. So it's, so oh funny my gosh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all might be cousins. <laughs> yeah. So That's it's funny because she's, she's, yeah, she's super Italian and she's in Boston and, and, my dad actually relocated to Boston. So sidebar on that, because I just thought it was funny when you said that. I was like, oh, so Italian people must really live in Boston. <laughs> yes, we do. There is a large community of Italian people. Go to the North End. You'll have some of the best food you could ever eat. Oh, God. okay. Okay. All right. See, that's what she does to me too. So, <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Yes. 
I so I I love everything that you said, Terry, especially about the culture and especially and I will tell you this too because it is a struggle for me as well, even being multiracial, because there's so much kickback for me sometimes, like to be in certain rooms, because people will always sort of have like this, well, because she's, you know, more light skin, or because she's got long hair, or because she has this, like, they feel like I, I get opportunities to do things that maybe, a, a you know, completely 100% black female would be able to do so i i love how you phrase that about you know the ongoing and and respecting the culture and things like that because certain people will try to call me out on certain things too and i'm like but i was raised like this or i live like this or you know my kids are like <laughs> like this so i know that there was definitely those struggles there so can you go into where you feel like okay, again I'm going to start from your story of what you said, your, your path. So you, you, you moved to Georgia, you started finding these passions that you were like, wow, this is what I really want to do. And at some point I feel like whenever you align with what you're supposed to do, everything sort of just clicks and you're like, you owe that to one monumental thing that led all these little things led up to this one monumental thing. So when it clicked to you that, wow, this is really my career. This is really something that I am going to do. Tell us one of those monumental stories where you were like, I know this is where I'm supposed to be. You know what, Holly, I'm, I have a lot of people that come across my path and they're trying to figure it out. You know, where's my purpose? How do I click in with my purpose? You know, and I will tell you for me and even my two sisters, so I have two younger sisters, we all connected with our purpose as children. And I was 14 years old when that light went off for me. So I, there was a radio station, very small 10 watt radio station based out of my high school. And as a freshman, I took the tour and my love of music, I loved two things, music and books. And both of those passions really uh, rooted um my career, to be honest with you, because when you read, it just exercises the imagination in a way something else won't. And then music, I had access to music because I had a radio. We didn't have a lot of money, so I couldn't buy a lot of music, but I could access free music on the radio. And so I was very excited to see that there was a station based out of the high school. And I went to check it out. And the guy that ran the station was a bit of a crotchety guy. <laughs> you ever been on the East Coast? You know, they can be a little gruff. So he's a gruff older guy. And, you know, he saw my interest and I was asking 5 million questions. And he said, if you can get your FCC third class license, I'll let you get a shift after school. So he hands me this big fat book. It's like one of the super old school yellow pages phone book. Like it's that fat with all this technical stuff, Watts, Ohms, all this stuff. But, you know, he challenged me and I saw the ability to have access to something that was, that really, I really loved the just, can you imagine the joy of being able to be a part of something that brought me so much joy? And so I took the challenge, I studied, I got my license. And when I brought him the license, he held it up to the light to make sure it was legit, but he made good on his, on his offer. And I would bring my dad's records in. I had a shift one afternoon for a couple hours after school every week. And it was, you know, some months later where I got a call on the request line, where it was a guy who was very interested in hiring me at a, at a big radio station. He said they really needed some part-time help and he loved the way that I sounded. He had no idea 
that I was young, that I was so young. And that's when the light went off for me that maybe I could really do this. And so it sort of shifted my focus in high school to pursue that. And then the second part of that equation would be, and you probably had this assignment too, Holly, in school, go interview somebody that's doing the job that you think you might want to do, right? That's a pretty standard assignment when you're in high school. So I wasn't able to get to the program director at Kiss 108. He's a legend by the name of Sonny Joe White. But I got to his music director, Susan. And she, I had applied to colleges. I was had my list. And she told me to apply to Emerson College. She said it would be the best place for me. And I applied, gratefully got in, gratefully got a scholarship, thank God. <laughs> and so it had one of the best college radio stations in the country. And so that, those are two key moments in childhood. But I really think a lot of the clues of where your purpose aligns really pop up as a kid. It's the natural things that you're drawn to. And I think we run away from the childlike things about ourselves because we're trying to be and live in this grown-up world that you think now you have to be different. But I always tell people, never lose your childish enthusiasm because that's the thing that God really planted in you that's going to also provide the breadcrumbs for where your purpose lies. Mm, I love that. And that is so, that resonates with me so much right now because I've been on probably three or four shows or interviews or something where someone asked me because they're like, so what do you do? Or how are you doing this? Or where do you, you know, well, what do you, okay. So you're motivational speaker, so you're life coach, you're this, you're that, you're that. And, and so I actually just, I posted a video earlier because I found a little snip of a show that I was on. And I said exactly what you said, Terry, that I feel like everything I've done my entire life has aligned with who I am now. So nothing has ever changed. It's just that I diff- did it in different aspects. So as a registered nurse, I've always been a nurturer, I've always been that ear, I've always been an advocate, I've always done this. I've all so for whatever whatever the role is, I feel that I have always walked in where I needed to be. Now sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, a cute man made me made me fall <laughs> off a little bit, or you know, yeah, maybe, maybe outside. <laughs> outside call my name a little too hard, you know, whatever it is, but, but we got back on the yellow brick road. So I love that. I love that. So what I also wanted to ask Terry is as, so you found your passion, you're doing this. So what I want to do is because I feel like people are so inspired when they hear a story of, of a challenge that was overcame and they feel like, wow, okay, because we post and we talk about all of our success all the time. People see us and they're like, oh, okay, so you did this, but they don't see the struggle or they don't see that something happened or they don't see that you had to prove yourself in certain rooms. So I know, like I said, you as a woman in a male dominated field, because most of the times whenever you see the, the radio person is just there as maybe a pretty face to dilute the males that are in the room or something. So of course now there's a, a, a whole shift in, and it's more acceptable to have women on, on radio and TV and things like that. But as you were paving the way, as you were putting your time in, were there any of those situations where you had to walk into a room with men and you had to, you had to do something to yourself or you had to figure out how I'm going to present myself as a woman coming in? How am I going to demand respect and still be respected as a person? So can you give us any, any of those examples that anything like that happened? I, I mean, I think that's, that starts at day one. You know, 
I, I love that your perspective is that it's so more, it's much more acceptable for women to be in the media business. But I would tell you the progress has been very slim. You know, in the program director job, for example, uh, I was one of the 12 percenters. You know, although the target demo of 99% of the radio stations out here, and think of the thousands of radio stations out here, the main target generally is women. Yet, and still, the decision makers that craft the brand strategy, you know, there was only 12% of us that were women that sat in, that sit in the chair. Still now, today, even, still 12%. And so, I mean, when I started in radio, it was taboo to play two songs by two women back to back, for example. Uh, the shift that I did was middays, which was, there were two acceptable shifts for women. Midday, which is, you know, the working time and lunch, and the sidekick to the morning man, if you will. And those were the two acceptable shifts for women. So, you know, some of that is a little bit different. We see that here in Houston, for example, morning show on the box, three women and one guy. It's Keisha, you know, Young Jazz, Jess, and of course the incomparable Jay Mack. And even with that, I remember making the decision and being questioned, well, how are we gonna have three women on a morning show? I'm like, you know, if they can do it on The View, we can do it on the box. You know, as long as everybody has something unique to bring to the table, that's really what I'm most concerned about is, you know, what voice are you representing and are we covering all bases? And so for me, it's a day one thing. You have to put on your armor. And there's a phrase that I adopted very early in my career, and I'm grateful that I did and I stuck to it. And it was accessible, but not available because, you know, for example, Holly, you're very beautiful right? Smart, talented, beautiful, accomplished, you know, and a lot of times you may walk into a room and people may see your aesthetics and they're trying to sort of approach you in a non-professional way. And so you have to develop, or I did, I developed a level. I love how you said that. So, so politically correct too, but yes, continue. Yeah. (laughs) They're trying to holler. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Go ahead. You know, they try to holler and you know, your decision not to allow yourself to go down that rabbit hole is the make or break for you, your reputation and your career. And so for me, you know, people have challenged me at every level of my career, my journey, my growth. But the one thing that I could always fight with was my skill. And so this is what I tell anybody who might be feeling they're the underdog in any situation is they can say what they're going to say about you. I can't tell you how many times somebody's put some false accusations on me of how I got what I got, but I could tell you exactly how I got what I got. I earned it. And I would tell anyone you could meet me with the skills. So I would worry less about what people said and worry more about what I did. Meaning that as long as my skills were sharp, I was focused on keeping my skills sharp I could show and prove because the work would speak for itself. And so that was very true. And I was very careful of not putting myself, removing myself from situations that may go left. Now I had made poor decisions, but they were more on the personal side, to be honest with you, Holly, when you were talking about, oh, might've made a left turn because the guy was in the room, like a cute guy walked in. So look, I was very book smart, but I was not street smart. And so I moved far away to some place I'd never been. I really didn't know anybody. And I did, you know, I had my own insecurities that I had to deal with, 
you know, as myself dealing with my childhood, where it led me to make some poor choices in men, for example, and I got taken advantage of. And so I've had my own struggles where due to my poor associations in my personal life, I found myself broken homeless. I'm the girl on the radio station every day that you're hearing and who's trying to bring you some positivity and a, and a positive word, but inside I'm struggling because I'm sleeping in my car, you know, and, and all of the things, you know, I made some poor decisions, but that was more Terry personally needed to get to know Teresa a little bit better, you know, in order to survive and thrive in the landscape. But I will say this, be accessible, but not available and make sure that your skills are sharp because your skills are, are your skills are what's going to get you to the next level and people are going to discount you no matter what but their opinion of you is really none of your business bring your a game at all times carry yourself the best way possible and then you know i'm a firm person people say man she's intimidating and i understand that i can be i'm okay with that i always view myself as i may be very firm but i also believe that i'm very fair and I'm perfectly comfortable with that. You know, this is a tough business. It's not for the thin skinned or the weak of heart. It's for people that are going to have a mental toughness that are going to be able to survive in order to thrive in the game. Mm, that's great advice, Terry. I'm taking notes about all of this. Too. Uh, <laughs> so, but no, I, I totally understand. Like, oh my gosh, like when you said that, it just made me, because I literally just told one of my girlfriends this because I went to, went to an event and there was a, a attractive gentleman that was there and we kind of had great conversation and, and I was just like, oh, and so she was like, what? No one will know. And I was like, no, I work very hard to not be accessible. I work very hard to where I'm in the room. I'm doing what I have to do. I'm here. I'm networking. We're going to have a great time. You, you, people like my energy, but that's it. Then I'm done because you won't ever have a situation where I'm in, the, in a room and we're here and it's awkward. Like it's hard. It's hard because yeah. <laughs> sometimes you want to risk it all <laughs> well but here's the thing though i would tell you this and and you know i i just got married in 2021 um i always wanted to be married but you know this the right situation never presented itself and you know that was really a, a faith walk to be honest with you but i will say this holly the right guy even if you meet him in the wrong circumstance, the right guy will do the things necessary to prove that he's worthy and, and he'll let that one situation pass, but he's not going to quit, nor will he give up on you. If he's really the right person for you, God is going to make sure that you have another opportunity or more opportunity to connect. And the guy will have to do his part and pursue you in the proper way that makes you feel comfortable. So, you know, he well, he be, wasn't the right guy. He was just gonna be. Okay. He was gonna be here for a good time, not a long time. So, well, then he can just go somewhere. No reason to mess up your reputation. Over I know a, a that's what I said. I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, no, you know, we can leave good time, Gary, where he is. We looking for Mister Long Term. I know, I know, but sometimes it's hard because Mister Good Time be looking good, Terry. Okay, uh, understood. <laughs> understood. <laughs> So, you know, my husband's name or my married name, truthfully, is Wright. And I always tell people, you know, I was praying for, for Mr. Wright. And in my patience and obedience, I became Mrs. Wright. 
And um, Rob G, you probably know Rob. He's another big personality in Houston. He's a very dear friend. And I would say to Rob, man, Rob, I know incredible guys. You know, when is this going to happen for me? And he would say, look, TT, he said, the right man will say what he means and mean what he says. And he'll be a person that puts action into his words and he'll be consistent with that. And I never forgot that. And when I connected with my husband and I was paying attention to him, he put that action behind his words. If he said, if he said it, he meant it and he acted on it and he was consistent. So, you know, I'm grateful to Rob, but you know, I know how it is because Mr. Good time be looking good, you know, but you here, you're looking for Mr. Long term. <laughs> I know I'm work. <sighs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna fix me later, Terry. Back to you. Back to you. <laughs> Girl, I got okay. you back. No worries. <laughs> so my last question before I talk about your new business, and because I kind of also again I want to use your story to sort of educate, inspire whoever's following you as well. So, like you said, there is this huge disparity with women in these management roles and these director roles. Who Who's calling the shots? Yeah, we're up here. We're the cute face. We might be the ones, whatever, on the flyers. But who's making those actual day-to-day decisions? So tell us about when you transitioned into that and what has been, I guess, what, what has been your focus of the things that you want to implement? Now I have this power. Now I have this. These are the things that I want to do. I want to pave the way by doing this. So tell us about that transition into the the management roles and then what you took as um, this is my personal imprint that I want to leave on these spaces. Well, let me start by saying leadership is lonely. And I say that because I want to illustrate a point. Oftentimes you come into can come into a management position or a next elevation because you're being elevated. So you're a regular person, you know, you're just one of the team doing what you do, making a contribution. And then somebody puts a spotlight on you and you have the opportunity to earn something more. So I always knew that I would be in management. I always knew that was my goal. Um, So I can share that um, I had an invisible line, an invisible line. My goal was to get along with everyone and make sure that I was a great teammate but I just was very careful not to cross lines. I couldn't come back from because I had my goals set on being in management. And it's tough. If you're the guy or the gal that everybody's hanging out with, kicking it on Friday night, y'all getting you know, wasted and whatever, writing the stories or whatever the case may be, you know, it's hard to come in there that next week and be like you know, having to check somebody on their actions because they've seen you at yours, for example. And so I always had a mindset for management. Secondly, I would say in building a team, again, this is a service-based industry. So it's, it's what most people think. It's what I want to do. What am I going to do here? For me, it was how am I going to cr- take these people and give them the best shot to be the best team And so to me, how could I serve them the best so that we could put wins on the board? And one of my strengths is team building. And I have a very interesting ability to identify the magic in people. The thing about you that makes you very special, unique, different, that's your God-given talent, and it lies in all of us. And I have a passion to uncover that for people. So in my quest to do that, I can now take a Holly and put a Holly with a J-Mac and this and that, 
because I'm putting everybody in a strengths-based position so that I'm building a team where there's balance. What Holly's great at, J-Mac's not great at. What J-Mac's great at, Holly's not great at. And I can continue to build the puzzle because I'm putting people in a position to win. And if you're putting, if you're taking care of your team and you're putting them in a position to win and really building out a strong force, you know, respect will be earned. You know, people say you should respect me because I have the title. I get that to some degree because, you know, you would say respect your elders. I may not know that elder, but it's a yes, sir, a yes, ma'am. I mean, there's a certain level of respect that I think is warranted on just a, 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 you know, common decency. But there's the real respect that you earn, and that's by serving your team. Um, Because I had crazy ideas, you know, and they stepped out on me in faith to pursue some crazy ideas that I had, you know, because the other ability I have, I'm very strategic and I have a highly creative brain. And so I would say, Hey, we're going to do this. You know, I will never forget. Mad Hatter says, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, we should get some people registered to vote. I said, thinking the same thing. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go say, I'm going to go sleep at the mall until I get 500 people registered to vote. Well, I felt that energy and I was like, you Mad Hatter. 500 ain't nothing. You're going to get that in five minutes. I said, let's get 5,000 people registered to vote. I did not realize that he would be sleeping at them all the whole week. That is a true story. But he broadcast and slept at the, he literally was, he had to go to bed for like three days at the end because he was so mentally and physically exhausted. But, you know, I had a vision for something really big. And if you can build trust with your team, they will follow you into the unknown. And we were able to make, in, in Houston, as a small example, we were able to make a lot of incredible things happen, you know, because of that. But you got to understand a manager, there's a boss and a leader. A boss is the person that tells you what to do all the time. Do this, do this, do this, do this. A leader is looking to unlock what your magic is and doing their best job to put you in a position to win. And even so much so understanding if this is not the job, career, or position for you, because the leader has a responsibility to all members of the team and it's to build the best team possible, uh, institute great practices, give all the training, um, communicate, over communicate and really, you know, try to build a great team. And then of course, a great strategy for success. So that's was always my approach to it. Um, and I will tell you one of the lessons I learned very early in being management was I had a way of doing things, Holly, and it served me very well. You could say to me, do a assignment, Terry, and I could get in there and do it and it would be excellent and I'd get it done by the deadline. Win for Terry. But as a manager, you have to learn that everybody doesn't work the same way that you work. And so you have a responsibility to learn what makes everybody tick, how they work. And I had to understand that I had to let go of the control. I could say to you, Holly, this is what I need you to do. And I need it done by this deadline. And you girl, you know what excellence looks like. But then I could say, I can show you how I would do it. But if you have a way that works for you, as long as it works for you and you can meet the requirements, knock yourself out. And so that was a lesson I learned very early. It wasn't forcing people to do the things the way that I would do them. It was just creating what the standard of excellence would look like and just making sure we were all accountable to the deadline.
Hmm. Well, I could tell you that I understood that totally when you were talking about that shift because as a, a like I remember being a registered nurse, like just being a floor nurse. And then I remember when I got my master's in nursing, I was like, now what do I want to do? What do I want to do with this? So of course you initially, you're like, okay, well the next step is management. So I went from, I went from, you know, being the one that was talking smack about the managers <laughs> with my coworkers to now I'm one of the managers. And they're like, they're like, oh, so you went to the dark side, but now it's like, and then also whenever you're, you're sort of in, whenever you, you elevate and you're with the same people, they still look at you as the same person too. So the way that you did things, and I would always say, listen, I'm not going to micromanage you guys, but when I start getting in trouble for something, or if it falls on me, I have to come and tell you guys, these are some things that we have to implement or whatever. So do what you need to do. And then I don't have to get involved. So I understood all of that, that you were saying and trying to differentiate yourself with now you guys have to give me a level of respect as sort of the, the leader in this situation. So I love that. I love that. You're so insightful, Terry. So that's probably why you're an entrepreneur and you're a band, brand builder and all of these yeah. other things. So I know the newest thing, <clears throat> I don't know why I, um, I have, um, I'm, I don't know what's going on, I guess, because yeah. I've been talking all week. Okay, so let me see, Terry, let me, because I, I want to give you guys the, where is the, oh, I'm looking at the revised one. Sorry, I forgot. I have to scroll up because I, I told her she early. sent me a thesis, so she sent me a shorter one, and I was like, wait, that's not it. Okay, all right, so Terry is now the CEO and founder of Renegades, Rebels, and Rogues, which is a consulting firm dedicated to making a significant impact on people, brands, and culture. So tell us about how you shifted into this role and then, of course, what the business is. Uh, God, I mean, I'm a very faith-filled person, and I would say that, you know, throughout my entire path, I've always checked in with God. God, where do you want me to be? God, where am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And then you just have to be aware and in tune enough to see the signs. And so God gave me a sign. It was time to move on and move into something different. And it's at, at this time, it is this, it's my own business. And it's funny when I look back over my childhood, you know, you sort of forget sometimes where you come from, but my dad was an entrepreneur he owned his own trucking business. He was a one-man band with my mother, of course, taking care of the books. But he was an entrepreneur, and that's the environment that I grew up in, you know, with my dad. And so I was reminded that I have that in my blood, and I've seen it work and be successful. And for me, a couple of years ago, I was talking to my husband, and I was saying, like, look, I just really want an umbrella that I can house this big brain that I have under that really is going to allow me to tap into the things that I'm passionate about. And I'm very interested in the story of people. I'm very interested in what makes someone unique. I'm very interested in helping someone align with their purpose by tapping into that uniqueness. And then how we put that under a microscope, expand it, help you become more confident in it. And then I've been a very successful businesswoman running $48 million brands for a long time. So I have a very sharp business acumen on top of it, and I have a clear understanding of what it takes to build a brand and how to stand out. And this runs the gamut from you could be an artist, you could be an entrepreneur, you could be an influencer, you might be a lifestyle brand that's needing more life in your lifestyle. You know, there's uh, so many different areas that my career has allowed me to have touch points with. 
And so I wanted to be able to embody a spirit of going what most people would say is the road less traveled. Um, and so my husband's like, yeah, like a renegade, a rebel, a rogue. And he said those three words in the same sentence. And, you know, I got that funky feeling when God's like, that's it. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that's it. You know, I said, renegades, rebels, and rogues. And so something said trademark it. So I'm actually in, had been in process of trademarking that. So uh, my company name is trademarked and it's really an umbrella that will allow me to work on a diverse amount of projects that will help me bring out the magic in people for the purpose of building their brand, you know? And like I said, for me, I've been very fortunate to be heavily involved in so many different things. Most people think radio program director is just about listening to music and writing promos, but that's not exactly the total sum of the game. I work closely with clients, developing campaigns. I come up with strategic ideas. I figure out how, what the brand is going to be and what the brand strategy is going to be. So there's so many layers. I've done coaching for artists where that needed media training. You know, I've uh, helped artists, you know, dig in deeper to what their personal brand was going to be. I've done that with influencers through mentoring. I mean, it's all the things. And so, you know, God said it was time to go. So here I am hanging out my shingle and I'm just saying, God, okay, I may not have it all clearly, but I'm following the path. And so, you know, that's where we are. I love that, Terry. I love that. And just so you guys know, so Terry had... Terry had a, a get together um, for the launch where she was kind of announcing this, this what was going on. And, you know, I was privy to be there. Thank you, Terry. Thank you for the invitation. Um, so I, I was schmoozing with the big, big times, but uh, <laughs> so, but you guys, there were people in this room that Terry had impacted their life. And I told her, that which I I, it, I I take this this is like a huge huge mission for me as well is that I want my legacy to be how people speak about me people always think you want to leave financial wealth you want to do this and all of that is great but I want to also know that the way that people speak about me when I'm gone is how they talk about me now that I'm alive so I try to be impactful with everyone that I meet and you could definitely see that Terry has definitely impacted several people's lives there were people that had come down from every city in in the united states people came in from la just to go to this party for terry so that's definitely something you have definitely impacted a lot of people in in whatever it is propelled their career or just being that person they needed to work with so just so you guys put some respect on her name okay like she's just not a houston name like these are people coming from all over the country to see her so all right. Thank so you. thank you, Terry, for sharing your story. Now, how can people, because now everyone wants you to represent them. Now they want to be part of Renegade Rogue Rebels. I know I said Renegade Rebels wrong. Rogues, yes. Okay, so, I was um, close. There you go. <laughs> so, um, you know, first of all, I would say the social media I'm most active on is Instagram. So you can find me at Terry Thomas, T-E-R-R-I-T-H-O-M-A-S. So I'm there. And you can also shoot me an email, terrythomasinc at gmail.com. Um, I'm available there as well. I do check the DM. You know, I know some people don't. I do. 
as uh, long as you, you know, not sounding or looking crazy with some naked, you know, profile pic, you could probably get a response. So I will say it's really been very interesting because, you know, um, with my postings online, with my free game and just the information I give out there, a lot of people have found me there. So I'm definitely grateful for the social community. And I'm on all the socials. I'm on TikTok and I find audience there. Uh, YouTube, I'm, I would say that's a goal to have a larger presence on YouTube. But, um, you know, social media has, has allowed me the opportunity to connect with people really across the world. I mean, I've advised all sorts of people from all over the world, you know, from somebody who is a, an aspiring artist over in South Africa to a coffee shop uh, that was, uh, you know, based in the DMV, just looking for a couple of ideas for the brand. So, you know, the internet is the wonderful connector, I think, of things. But, you know, just interested in working with people that have the magic. My good friend Derek McKinney gave me what I think is one of the coolest compliments that I've ever received recently. And he, we had a meeting, we were talking ideas cause that's what we do. And he posted on Facebook. I didn't see it until a couple of days later. He said, had a great conversation with, he calls me the boss lady with Terry Thomas. And he said, she just has the ability to see things that other people can't see. And I just like, wow, that is really a huge compliment. And that's one of the reasons that I'm starting this venture, because I do believe I have the ability to see what other people can't see and help bring that out. Because I think, again, when you align with your magic, you align with your purpose. And that's really the reason we're all here is to, you, know, you got to lock in with your purpose. That's your assignment while you're here on this earth, because your purpose is going to lead you to what you're really supposed to be doing. And that impact that you're seeking, it all comes through your purpose. Mm, I, and I receive it. I receive, receive all that. I feel like I always give people the, the energy. Well, they say that you, you, I, that's, that's what I said, exude the energy that you want to receive. And I always feel like I'm the one and everyone's always like, oh my God, you really impacted me. Oh, that was, oh my God, I'm taking that. And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't give me nothing back, but somebody's going to give me. So I'm going to receive all of that back. See, Good. that's what I <laughs> Good. You can have the energy, Hadley. It's my gift Thank to you. you. Yes, thank you. And you guys, I will also have, you know, I always say, just scroll down on the podcast notes. I will have all of Terry's information and clickable links as well. And um, do you have like a website for the Renegades? In progress. Or, okay, yeah, in okay. Progress. In progress. Okay, you that's know, fine. I, yeah, a friend of mine, well, two, God has sent me some messages recently while I'm waiting for everything to be perfect to get going by two different people completely unrelated. One was in Atlanta. One was here said, Hey, God says, go, don't wait for it to be perfect. Just go. And that happened within literally seven days of each other. And so I'm like, I'm going and I will get everything going, but I am going. I've even got two client meetings this week, you know, cause we are going, so we're going. Yeah. We'll get the rest. The rest is going to catch up, Holly. You know, as long as you got an email, okay. you can find me on social, you can get to me. I'm, that, I'm the hitch. I'm hitch of brand building right now. <laughs> you know where to find me. I say, find that, me. I say that too. I'm like, I'm, I keep it super easy for you guys. It's Holly Cotton. If you know my name, you will find me on something like you. Yeah. <laughs> it'll pop Next. up. It'll pop up. I love that. Okay. Well, again, that is Terry Thomas, you guys. So thank you so much, Terry, for sharing your story. Thank you for having me.